money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Today's episode is also presented by Purple Carrot. Purple Carrot is the plant-based subscription meal kit that makes it easy to cook irresistible meals to fuel your body. Each week, choose from an expansive and delicious menu of dinners, lunches, breakfasts, and snacks. Every box is an opportunity to learn and experience something new with easy recipes and fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients. No shopping, no food waste, just globally inspired, restaurant-quality, plant-based meals. Get $30 off your first box by going to purplecarrot.com and entering the code PODGO30 at checkout today. That's PODGO30 for $30 off your first Purple Carrot box. Purple Carrot, the easiest way to eat more plants. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Mixtag. It's your man, the Cowboy, Jared Watson here. I'm alongside the wrestling encyclopedia himself and three-time, three-time, three-time Indian leg wrestling champion, Mr. Keith White. Keith, how are you doing this week, man? Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you too, Jared, and Christmas came early for you when you sat down to watch a little pay-per-view uh, from a little company and you got really excited and and things were better than you anticipated. Why don't you talk about that briefly? Yeah, man, I I was very impressed by the TLC pay-per-view this past Sunday. Man, it was was extremely good. Quality matches, good storylines. Did Randy Orton murder somebody live in the ring? Um, Maybe, but uh, yeah, it was a great night overall, Keith. I was very impressed, gave it an A minus. It's hard to do with WWE for me. Do you remember back in the day where they said, don't try this at home? Like, what is going to happen now? Yes. Kids, <laughs> I'm, don't burn your parents alive. I'm pretty sure, like, if we go back, I think there was a lawsuit or something like that where a kid did set another kid on fire because of Kane. Yeah. So that's a little creepy. This was this was the worst burning I've ever seen. Uh, you know, on, and that, that doesn't sound weird. This yes. was the worst burning I've yes. ever seen in professional wrestling. <laughs> it does sound weird. It does. And you're right. A um, little, little bit too cheesy for me but uh anyway i didn't find it cheesy i find it like gross like you know like realistic and scary you know you're looking at that and you're like well that man is clearly on fire yeah yeah but you could i mean you could tell that it was like a dummy in there because he wasn't breathing and it was just kind of obvious slick you know but uh yeah tlc good pay-per-view overall but uh tag gang it is that time of year it's christmas it's the holiday season we want to wish you and your families Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate at this time of year. Uh, This is going to be a quick, brief episode because I know you are spending time with your families, as are we, as this is a pre-recorded episode. 
Uh, but, you know, 2020, Keith, it's been a rough year. We all know that. But one thing that stayed constant and brought us a little bit of joy was wrestling, professional wrestling. We always say on the show, it's no greater time to be a wrestling fan than right now. There's so many options to choose from. So I decided to compile a list, the 12 Gifts of Wrestling 2020 edition. It's the Christmas season. Giving is so great this time of year. Opening presents on Christmas morning. And I found 12 presents that the wrestling scene has given us over the past year. So without further ado, let's get right into it. And Keith, you can jump in at any time and talk about whatever you want or talk about as little as you want. So let's get started with number 12. We're going from 12 to 1, 1 being the best. All right, number 12. This is a controversial one right off the bat. I'm going to go with Le Dinner de Bonaire. Yes, that was the Chris Jericho and MJF uh, little Tony Award winning Broadway musical promo that they did together. You know, MJF was trying to get in the inner circle. Chris Jericho was trying to see if he would be a good fit in the inner circle. We found out that, of course, MJF would join the inner circle. But this was just a promo nobody saw coming. It was very creative. Um, people were saying, you know, it was controversial because if WWE did something like this, it might have not gotten the same response. But I thought it was super creative. Nothing we've ever seen before in the wrestling business. Uh, and it's done by one of the greatest of all time and one of the new up-and-coming uh, heels in the business, MJF and Chris Jericho. So that is my number 12 on the 12 Gifts of Wrestling. Number 11, Keith's going to love this one. My number 11 is Trent's mom. That's right. The woman herself who flipped the finger off to Santana and Ortiz and drove away into the sunset. Keith, I know you love Trent's mom. This was just spectacular. It was so good. I mean, in a world of wrestling where we used to have like Judy Bagwell and then Sheldon Benjamin's mama, who I still feel like was an underrated situation and gave him some fun character depth. Uh, but Judy Bagwell was super annoying. Uh, Sheldon Benjamin's mama was there for a cup of coffee. But man, Trent's mom, how can you have somebody who does so little and it means so much? Cracks me up. She drives up. She drops him off. She's like, give me a kiss. And then she gives that middle finger and you're just like, this is fun. Wrestling sometimes is supposed to be fun. Yeah, and I don't think it was ever intended to go that far, Keith. That's the thing. It was supposed to be an entrance, you know, for the, the match between uh, Trent and, and Chuck Taylor with uh, Santana and Ortiz, and it just became a thing. Everybody was so hooked up on Trent's mom and the minivan situation, Ortiz and Santana wrecking the minivan. It's like a crime to society. And then when Trent's mom got that new 2020 uh, minivan rolling up into the scene, just made everything better. She was a saint this year, brought us some laughs. Trent's mom comes in at number 11. Number 10 for me, this is a big one. Drew McIntyre finally wins the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. This is just a feel-good moment for every wrestling fan. We've wanted this to happen for a long time. He deserves it. He's been in the wrestling business for probably close to 15 years now. Um, Diz McIntyre, he was the chosen one with Vince McMahon. Uh, and he finally got that opportunity, and he succeeded beating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I'll bit Debbie Downer on is just it feels like, you know, he had to do what Jinder Mahal did and show up just a little bit bigger than the last time we saw him, the swollen tick, <laughs> as Rob Rector might say. Um, but, man, yeah, what a feel-good moment. And we talked about how he deserved that WrestleMania pop and never got it, but he's – He's done a good job, man. He's done a really admirable job as world champion for the company in the time of the pandemic. I, I've liked what he's done. Um, you know, he's been 
he's been a, I guess like a unique baby face, right? Cause he's got a unique presentation. Um, you know, he's got the claymore, which can be hit out of nowhere pretty much. So at all angles, it's just cool. You know, he's, he's been a good, solid representation of a champion. Uh, the best way I can describe it is Shawn Michaels as world champion during a down period of the WWF new generation, but Shawn Michaels was the consistent person with matches. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's to go from the chosen one to three MB to NXT champion to WWE champion. What a ride for McIntyre. I think we were all kind of happy to see this happen. And you know, Vinny, he likes those bigger muscly guys always has since the beginning of time. But uh, number 10, Drew McIntyre finally winning that WWE title for the first time at WrestleMania. All right, number nine, stadium stampede match. This was something, again, never done before. The AEW site is at Daly's Place, which is at the Jacksonville Jaguars Stadium. I believe it's TIAA Bank Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. I mean, this was a match between the Inner Circle and the Elite. They went all over Hell's Half Acre, around the stadium, inside the concession stands, in the bar, uh, the pool even. Just so creatively done. Uh, there's not much more to say. It was just a, a big, epic fight between uh, 12 different competitors. It was just super interesting. Came in at number nine for me. All right, going on to number eight. We got Sammy Guevara. Man, Sammy's had an interesting year. Sammy getting run over by a golf cart. This is so popular by so many different people. Yeah, I mean, you, you put it in the intro to AEW Dynamite. It, it was that cool of a moment. Uh, Sammy really sold this really well, kind of jumped in the air. And then, of course, Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega ran into him with the golf cart. I know when I watched it for the first time, I had to text Keith. And I was like, dude, Sammy's dead, bro. Sammy's dead. And I know, Keith, uh, you enjoyed that moment as well. Yeah, you know, you're just you know it's coming and you're like are they really gonna are they really yeah they just did that all right it, it was just it was just an awesome thing to see because again it's something that's never been done before so you're seeing a recurring theme here with that but uh anyway that was number eight sammy we hope you're okay i mean you had a pretty interesting yet rough year over there in aew coming in at number seven this might be the most iconic moment uh for aew in its brief history I have a number seven Cody Rhodes uh, backflip off of the steel cage onto Wardlow, which actually broke, I think, two or three of his toes in the process uh, from his landing. This was the signature AEW moment, right, Keith? I mean, you can't get much bigger than jumping off a steel cage, uh, doing a backflip. It almost reminded me, Keith, of when Kurt Angle did kind of like a somersault on top of Abyss in TNA uh, when he first arrived there. It's kind of like that. This is AEW moment uh jared you know in wrestling they call the backflip a moonsault uh you know that's my encyclopedia moment for you <laughs> yes keith i'm glad you informed me of that but yeah he is the wrestling encyclopedia for a reason tag gang you know that yeah man that no that was like i remember we were both watching that in real time and you know texting each other and being like oh my god you know we we had our joey styles moment each of us um you know because Part of it is you don't expect the you know the the executive of a company to take that kind of risk, right? Yeah, and and you know this was before COVID. There were fans in the stands. Can you imagine if this happened uh, without fans? It wouldn't have even made the list for me, I don't think. But um, Cody, you've had that signature moment, um, and of course, 
you're you're really running things well in AEW. So props to you. That was my number seven moment. We're getting closer to the top five, but we have to take a short trip to number six. This is one of my favorite matches of the year, and I've said this. I've said this on the show. It was only about a couple months ago. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso, Hell in a Cell, 2020. I thought this was one of the most interesting matches of the year. It could be my match of the year, honestly, Keith, because the family unit, we knew Roman Reigns was calling himself the tribal chief. Jey Uso was the underdog. He was the little cousin, right, who thought he could have a chance to fight the bigger guy. And it just, it was awesome to see. Roman was talking throughout the whole thing. No fans really was in an advantage uh, for this match. Paul Heyman outside the ring, slapping each other uh, with belt straps, uh, going through tables, steel steps. Roman was going to do everything in his power, no matter what, to beat his little cousin. That's all it came down to. Uh, Keith, thoughts on that match really quick? Uh, It was just full of emotion. You know, it was... And, and this whole feud, you know, bef- and leading up to, you know, Jay saying, you know, I understand what you're talking about now. I'm all in, whatever. Um, man, it just felt real because everyone knows about family squabbles. And so, and everyone knows about the pecking order. You know, I remember, you know, beating up on my brother until I want to say he might have been 18. Like I came back from college, my first semester of college. I put on the freshman 15. You know, there might have been a few Steve Weisers you know, uh, put down and, you know, Mike's playing the cross at this point in time, you know, and we're just hanging out on, I think it was like a, a fall break or a Christmas break or something. And it, people are egging each other on. And all of a sudden, we, you know, we wrestle and he whoops me and, you know, and so the, the, the dynamic shifts. So, you know, there is that family squabble on who, you know, who's, who's dominant, right? You know, after that, I left, I left Mike alone. But, but you know, for, for a long time, there's always a pecking order. So it's just been a cool way to, to see that unfold. And obviously, the addition of Heyman and just the story in general, uh, changing Roman Reigns' character has just been a fantastic, fantastic situation. Yeah, it, it totally changed his career, Keith. Roman going from face Roman to heel Roman. It, it was a, just automatically great move for WWE, and he hasn't looked back since. Um, all right. We're in the top five, Keith. We got to get things going. You know in the song, 12 Days of Christmas, five golden rings. Well, now we have number five, The Undertaker's Final Farewell. Yes, that's right. Um, the Undertaker, legend in the business, 30 years in the wrestling business. Uh, he had his final farewell at Survivor Series on the exact day he debuted. Not many people get to do that. Um, WWE put on an awesome performance with that. They brought out legends like Kane and JBL and Jeff Hardy and Phineas Godwin and all these guys who just have been with Taker throughout the years, um, you know, really made him feel special. Then he, of course, came out and made his final appearance. Uh, he did the tongue out eye roll uh, salute and a hologram of Paul Bear showed up and it was just super emotional for not only him, but everybody in the back, everybody watching at home, and it was really something we needed. It was like a closure situation for us as wrestling fans. So interesting to see that Undertaker farewell. It was well done. We got to see Vince say WWF for once. Um, really cool. But that leads me to number four, which also has to do with The Undertaker, and it was the Boneyard match at WrestleMania against AJ Styles. Uh, this was the first real cinematic-type match of the year. We weren't expecting this. Uh, we didn't know what a bone match was, but 
you know, Vinnie Mac said, hey, let's do a cinematic movie style match that makes Taker still look good without him getting in the ring necessarily. Um, he showed up as the American Badass Undertaker, uh, which was different than his, you know, Phenom Undertaker. Uh, they fought all around at this abandoned location. It was like a little shed in the woods somewhere. Um, Undertaker ended up burying AJ Styles, uh, rode off into the sunset, if you will, if you will, with his, uh, of course, his motorcycle. Uh, really cool match. Um, I suggest you go watch it because it was one of two cinematic matches at WrestleMania, and that leads to my number three, the Firefly Funhouse match, of course. This was the match between Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, and John Cena. Um, and again, another cinematic match that took you through all the eras of wrestling, right? It took you through the Hulk Hogan, you know, Say Your Prayers, Eat Your Vitamins era. Uh, showed really uh, what John Cena was uh, when he was younger, uh, how he became this rising star, the head of the company, how uh, they even acknowledged how he was overrated in some instances. And that it was kind of like John Cena passed the torch to Bray Wyatt almost uh, in a really cool cinematic match. Keith did a whole uh, breakdown on it. Uh, Keith, go ahead if you want to talk a little bit about that. My breakdown still stands, and I still want to see that be the last time that we see John Cena in the WWE. I want that to be his swan song, uh, you know, just for it also adds the mystique of the fiend, but also just caps him with a cool career. And sometimes people have to stay down. Does that make sense? Um, you know, we've seen the Undertaker too many times come back, which is why. We needed this closure this past year for him. Um, but it'd be neat to just never see John Cena again and that and that be like a cool, innovative, weird in some ways, but definitely groundbreaking sign off for a career. It was like nothing we've ever seen before in this business. And I'm surprised Vince McMahon actually went through with this uh and put it on WrestleMania nonetheless. But uh yeah. John Cena, hopefully we don't see you to the Hall of Fame, buddy, because you're definitely going to be in it first ballot for sure. But that leads us to number two on the list. We're getting close to the end here. My number two uh, gift of 2020 in wrestling was Edge making his return at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Nobody thought this would happen. Edge, of course, had to retire fairly early in his career in 2011 after suffering a brutal neck injury. Um, nobody thought he would be able to wrestle again. He was at the prime of his career winning the heavyweight title at the time. He had to relinquish the belt when he retired. Um, Edge was always one of my favorite superstars, no matter if he was a face or a heel, because he could do both so well. Uh, and when he came back at the Rumble, the crowd pop was insane. The fireworks gave me goosebumps. He did his little entrance, you know, where he sticks his hands up in the air. Uh, Keith, this was, we always talk about this as, this was the last big pop before COVID happened, right, with fans. Um, this meant a lot to 2020 and WWE for sure. This meant a lot to us as fans. You know, um, we we hadn't even started the show yet, right? Have we have we started? No, we haven't. We didn't reboot Mixtag at the time. We were just texting yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah. And I think I feel like maybe at the time, like we had just started, like you know, messaging Cam. I can't remember. Like, was he even involved in that? Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think he came maybe a month later. But yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was in January. Yeah. So that was us just being like, Oh my God, dude, you know, like you, like you would just finish the co the course had wrapped up. Right. Like, and, and the idea was that mixed tag was going to be a, uh, you know, just a class thing. And maybe, maybe you might have continued it possibly. Right. But who knows? But yeah, it was an amazing, amazing situation. Amazing to see. 
and we have never had that since. We can't recapture that. I can't wait till we actually get that back for all of us as fans. Oh, yeah, Keith. What a memorable moment uh, for sure. But we're at the number one moment, guys, on my 12 Gifts of Wrestling 2020 edition. Number one, and it happened fairly recently, just a couple of weeks ago, Sting returns to wrestling. And it's in AEW. Uh, and, man, this was – talk about nobody saw it coming. Edge was nobody saw it coming. But Sting, man, this was awesome. Uh, and for it to be in AEW on TNT with Tony Schiavone saying, it's Sting. You know, it, it's just – it was awesome to see. And, uh, you know, it's – you can't get much better than that, like an icon with Sting showing up uh, and signing a multi-year deal with AEW as well. Um Awesome to see. I I was totally, my breath was just out of my body. It was awesome. Um, But that's going to wrap it up, guys, for the 12 Gifts of Wrestling 2020 edition. If you agree with me, let us know. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and, and, you know, give us a little comment there. Or you can email us at mixtagshow at gmail.com. Let us know your own 12 Gifts of Christmas uh, for wrestling in 2020, because we want to know, we want to know your opinions here on the show. But um, anyway, that was my 12 gifts of wrestling. And um, guys, we didn't tell you this in the beginning, but our very own wrestling encyclopedia has his very own half dozen list. It's the six gifts of wrestling all time edition. And it's going to be headlined by our very own Keith White. So Keith, I'm going to hand it to you, man. Yeah, man. And listen, this is subjective, right? This is this is more personal to me than anything else. Because uh, even when I was writing this, I was like, oh, man, I forgot about so-and-so and, and this and this. Um, so this isn't exactly in order, but you'll understand where I'm going with this. Um, I tried to go in order as best I could. Uh, the first one, the Sandman shows up at ECW One Night Stand. That pay-per-view in itself was a gift to the loyalty and the dedication and the cult following and just the myth of ECW and everything that ECW meant to fans. WWE brought it back supposedly for one night. We all know how that turned out. But the coolest part of the night that has now been neutered on the WWE network because they won't pay pennies for licensing Enter Sandman um, was at the time the Sandman comes out, the character of the Sandman comes out in the crowd. And the place comes unglued and you just hear all that pent up joy and uh, fervor and passion from an ECW fan base at the Hammerstein ballroom. They go nuts and they start chanting and they start singing along to enter Sandman. And now we get to see the whole chant of a song from our own Les Champion, the demo God, Chris Jericho. Um, But back then, man, uh, you know, we didn't get that too much. So it was amazing to see the whole place come unglued and sing the song Enter Sandman with Sandman, the character. It was just a nice ECW moment that kind of capped things off and, and felt like a gift in the mid 2000s. <clears throat> the next one, this one uh, was a gift uh, for progress and a gift for uh, a lot of underrepresented boys and girls everywhere. And this was uh, 1992. Ron Simmons wins the WCW World Championship. 
Uh, before this, there had never been an African-American world champion of a major promotion. And this was done in Baltimore against Big Van Vader, who was on a tear. And nobody really thought that Big Van Vader was going to to you know end his dominant reign. And they had started to push Ron Simmons as a single star, but he was primarily known as a tag team specialist at that time with Doom. So, you know, he got his shot and he ended up getting the win. And if you go back and watch Baltimore, uh, you know, just the the shock, the the joy, the elation on the fans, they really popped for that. And there's a special kind of pop there because they were witnessing history. They were witnessing um, a barrier being broken, that an African-American man won a world uh, title in a major promotion. I know we like to think that we're more progressive in, in general, but in the 90s, man, we still had some issues. And, you know, if we're being very honest as a society. So it was cool to see uh, something like that being broken. And there's professional wrestlers today, to this very day, um, I believe Chris Bay might be one of them that that uh, that um, having that moment, um, you know, inspired them to be a wrestler. It might not be Chris Bay. I might I might have to change that because I feel like he was too young, maybe not even born yet. <coughs> but there were other wrestlers who have done that, who have said that. Um, next up, I put this in a combination situation here: the beer bath and the milk bath. This was when wrestling was fun. This was the Attitude Era. Um, this was Stone Cold Steve Austin with his beer and Kurt Angle with his milk coming to the ring in various trucks and spraying them down and spraying down the McMahon family and really sticking it to the man and giving the viewers at home and then also the live audience just some real pure entertainment value. And we're finally starting to get that back a little bit with AEW, but for a long time, you couldn't have fun in professional wrestling and they were kind of marrying uh, a little bit of comedy with a little bit of the storyline. And it was just really cool to see both. Those are really iconic moments. They still get talked about. You still see, um, you know, different videos and, and packages where they're involved. So, and they were just seeing, you know, people swimming around, right. They did that this year with um, when the orange juice fell from the sky, the orange Cassidy, you know, you see proud and powerful, struggling to stand up and swim through the orange juice. And, and that's paying homage to the milk bath and the beer bath. Um, my next one, my next one here, we're almost to the end. Uh, we had back in the day, you had world title changes on television and this was not done. Okay. This was not a thing that got done. Then it got overdone, but the world title changed hands two big moments on television. One was Mankind won the WWF Championship on Raw. Now, here's the thing about that. Uh, that was kind of marred a little bit slash in, enhanced by Tony Schiavone um, giving that spoiler away since Raw was pre-taped. He said that'll put butts in seats and then most of his audience left to go watch it. Really feel good moment from a performer who had given his whole body and soul to the business. Um, mankind. And that was a cool moment. Wasn't too expected. We, people didn't expect Mankind to be a champion. And sure enough, he wins. It shocks the world. The next one was so awesome because this should have been a pay-per-view match. Instead, they put it on TNT Monday Nitro because Eric Bischoff loved him some ratings. Goldberg versus Hollywood Hogan. 
and all night they built this up to a fever pitch and Goldberg's music didn't, you know, didn't do anything, but, uh, you know, enhance things. Um, all night you just felt like, Oh my gosh, Hogan's finally going to lose. And they gave everybody what they wanted. They gave the gift of seeing Goldberg hit that spear and the jackhammer and the one, two, three and the big gold belt ending up around Goldberg's waist. It was a culmination of what they had done with him, you know, in terms of his myth and his legend going up against the cowardly heel Hulk Hogan. And I'm telling you the whole night was electrifying because the anticipation was insane. Next up, number two, the rock and Hollywood Hogan, WrestleMania stare down in Toronto. Goosebumps, man. That crowd was so hot for both of those guys. And it turned Hogan face again uh, because the crowd willed it when they stared down in the beginning and the place just applauded and cheered for the longest time. And both men looked around and did what they do best, which is improvise and ham it up for the crowd. Just a fantastic situation. And I apologize to again, cause I'm starting to lose my voice. Um, but I'm going to power through here last but not least number one, macho man and miss Elizabeth reunite at WrestleMania seven. Since Macho Man became a heel and brought in Sensational Sherry, the WWF universe had been clamoring for Elizabeth and Macho to get back together. Um, Elizabeth was the most classy individual, and she was beloved by fans. And um, unlike you know the divas or you know the hypersexualized um, stars of the '90s like Sonny and Sable, people loved Miss Elizabeth. And that because she was she was classy, she I don't know, it's hard to explain, but she was just well respected. People loved and admired her, but she wasn't um, she wasn't presented as a sex symbol. So she was just kind of had this, you know, revered respect about her. And people missed her and Macho and the dynamic between the two of them. So at WrestleMania seven, when the warrior beat Macho King to defeat him and his career, sensational Sherry's coming out, putting the boots to Macho. And then we, we have seen Liz in the crowd. And then all of a sudden Liz comes in and throws Sherry out of the ring and Macho and Liz reunite. My goodness, man, the place went insane. And it's, I, if you're noticing the theme is crowd reactions, that's the gift. Um, it's when, when wrestling promotions give the audience what they want and wrestling promotions um, capitalize on things that they know that are going to garner a great live reaction, which in turn at home, you feel a part of that when you have a hot crowd and they pop, you pop. And so macho man and Elizabeth reuniting was my number one um, because it was the most feel good moment of the, uh, the classic era of WWF and one that, uh, you know, led to a, a wedding and things like that, you know, in the WWF, but man, that initial reunion was magical. Yeah, I agree with you, Keith. Um, great list. We just want to remind the tagging that we're all, you know, this is opinion based. Um, so if you differ from us, that's fine. You can email us at mixtechshow at gmail.com and uh, email us your gifts. But, um, you know, this episode is going to be really quick and it's going to live up to its, you know, potential. And uh, we're going to end the show right here. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you 
Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we'll get you your New Year special episode out in just a, f- a week or two. Uh, it's coming up really quickly. But, uh, Keith, thank you for your list. Um, that was my list. Hope you guys enjoyed. Have a happy holiday. And from the Wrestling Encyclopedia and three-time, three-time, three-time Indian Lake Wrestling Champion, Mr. Keith White. My name is the Cowboy Jared Watson. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We are out. Of